This is Backstory. I'm Peter Onuf. I'm Ed Ayers. And I'm Brian Bellow. Today on the show, we're taking the long view on political factions. Our next story begins as the Civil War ends. Congressional leaders were grappling with how to readmit a ruined South to the Union. The contingent that took the hardest line was called the Radical Republicans. They pushed for immediate and full equality for African Americans, something that would eventually be guaranteed by the 14th Amendment's Citizenship and Equal Protection Clauses. But they met with resistance from moderates who feared anarchy and disorder in the conquered South. The radicals also wanted to see former Confederates punished, while the moderates favored a more lenient approach. Annette Gordon-Reed is a legal historian at Harvard. She says the radicals had often sparred with Abraham Lincoln, fearing his vision of Reconstruction was too soft on Southern traitors. And so when he was assassinated and his vice president, Andrew Johnson, assumed the presidency, the radicals thought they finally had a true ally in the White House. He was seen as someone who was going to be punishing towards the Confederates, that he was very much interested in transforming and sort of shaking up the way of life. He was uh, considered... Um, Well, he was a lower-class white person, and he'd always resented the grandees of the South, and people thought this was his chance to sort of stick it to them. At one point, Thaddeus Stevens, a radical Republican, thought, well, you know, he was not happy that Lincoln was gone, but he thought, now we have somebody we can work with. And it turned out to be exactly the opposite of that. So all this takes place in just a few months. I mean, right off the bat, it's very clear that Johnson is their enemy. Yes, and he he thinks that, you know, the president should— control, as Lincoln did, but the president should control Reconstruction. They thought that they should. But it's really about the driving issue is, what are we going to do with, and they would have said at the time, the Negro uh, in the South. And he has one idea, and they have another, and they go to war. They would pass things, and then he would appoint people who he knew or felt would not carry forth the laws. Um, His failure to protect people who were being killed, the freedmen who were being persecuted in the South. There were lots of things that they thought amounted to his not carrying out his duties as president. But they were hoping for something, some way to get him. And the impeachment was that. So the radicals are furious at Johnson generally, but they decide to go after him for something specific in order to really, you know, bring him to the the court of justice. How does this impeachment process evolve, and what is it that they're really trying to nail him for? Well, they're nailing him for violating the Tenure of Office Act. The act uh, forbade the president from removing anyone from the cabin without without the approval, without congressional approval. And he wanted to remove Stanton, Secretary of War. Stanton's problem was that he opposed Johnson's leniency towards uh, the southern states. Uh-huh. The South is under military rule at this point. And if you had somebody in a secretary of war who was not actually enforcing this notion of bringing blacks into citizenship, protecting blacks really is what it was. Well, that's the, I mean, the whole thing would be lost. So they were infuriated. The, the radical Republicans were infuriated when he tried to remove this one, the person who would be responsible for implementing their program, what they thought was the right way to go. So that was the cause of, of the problem and brought about the impeachment. So, as it turns out, the radical Republicans failed to convict Johnson in their impeachment proceedings. What I wonder is, were they made more radical by Johnson's intransigence? Did they come up with a more radical plan precisely because they had such an opponent in the White House? Well, we do get the 14th Amendment out of this. 
Uh, ultimately, his recalcitrance leads to them suggesting that the only way to get around this is to pass the 14th Amendment, which brought blacks into citizenship, because it's not clear at this point what status the enslaved people had. So the 14th Amendment establishes this by making African-American citizens. The 15th Amendment um, gives them the right to vote unintimidated, uh, theoretically (laughs) unintimidated. And so this makes blacks true Americans uh, for the first time. There's no ambiguity about this because then it becomes a part of the Constitution and there are more ways to work with that as opposed to the general laws, the Civil Rights Acts and things like that that were passed uh, during this time period. So it it's one of those situations where you decry what Johnson did, but in the end, there was a good result. Well, as you know so well, uh, for generations, uh, people thought the radicals were the bad guys, the heavies in the story of Reconstruction, you know, that they seemed just um, maniacal in their determination to push the nation too far, too fast on African-American rights. Do you think, I mean, are the radicals now really enshrined as sort of the, the pioneers of justice? They were a faction who was right? I think that's probably, well, I don't know that that's the consensus of all members of the country, but I do think the predominant view is that they were that they were certainly right because if you think of african americans as people <laughs> as right. real people it's a bit difficult to sort of i think make excuses for the failure to treat them as human beings i mean it's you know people say you look at history through the eyes of people in the past but the question is whose eyes and i think We're at a moment now when people are looking at the past, particularly in the South and slavery, through the eyes of African Americans, of the people who were oppressed, and the people who wanted to help them. So I think it's, as you know, schools of history change, but we are at a moment where people said these individuals had foresight. They were irritating. They were in much the same way as the abolitionists. They were irritating. They were, you know, they thought people thought they had one idea. They were harping on one thing and to the exclusion of other considerations. But I do think that they are seen as a a vanguard. Annette Gordon-Reed is a professor at Harvard Law School and the author of a recent biography of Andrew Johnson for the American President series. 